Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's happening? Welcome to episode 12 of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. I'm your host, Andy Dirk Johnson. we got an exciting episode for you playing this week. Coming up in a couple of moments, Randy Heath, who was getting inducted into the Winterhawks Hall of Fame this weekend, a member of that 1983 Memorial Cup winning team. That's going to be an awesome conversation you're going to love. Let's start, though, with my good buddy, the voice of the Winterhawks, Nick Merrick. Nick, first off, my man, last time we talked, it felt like the sun was never going to come up. And then the game afterwards, it wasn't pretty up in Everett. It got a little rough, but now, hey, five straight games with a point. You got a closer look than anybody. Does it feel like they're kind of settling in and, and figuring things out a little bit here over the last week or so? Yeah, it really does. It really does, Andy. Team's got points in five straight, uh, coming off a really good victory midweek against Spokane. A little bit of a tired Spokane Chiefs team, but nonetheless, Hawks took care of business. They had a great start to that game. Uh, and I think at this point, you look in March, you know, the Winterhawks already know in early March that they guaranteed themselves that number three seed in the Western Conference. I think it kind of bodes well to, uh, speaking of what they did early in the season, so when they hit that rough patch, there wasn't as much panic this time of the year, and they didn't have to put that extra weight on their shoulders, kind of like they did a season ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in, in essence, kind of a job well done. It's a little bit of a weird situation, though, because even before that Spokane game, Portland already knew they were in that three seed, so... Uh, you know, the final six games of the regular season for Portland, a little meaningless in terms of their playoff positioning and their overall seeding, but very much meaningful because it's a team that wants to get momentum. They want to get that confidence back. They want to find that scoring touch. And we've seen it kind of come back in the last few games uh, because obviously once you get to the postseason, every team in the Western Conference, they, they know they have a chance to win. Uh, and that's going to be key because Portland right now, they're kind of juggling between five different opponents so you know they don't which is good because now you aren't just gonna be dead set on all we're facing on tri-city or we're gonna play everett first round so keep some options open and i think it's really good this team's gonna kind of have an eventful month there's some huge games coming up that we're about to talk about a lot of uh seattle portland rivalry in the the, uh, horizon (laughs) and i feel like this you know these next two weeks are gonna go by in the snap of a finger well and you you've talked a lot about this yeah nick obviously knowing mike behind the scenes and how he tries to kind of spin certain spots in the schedule as a a mini playoff series if you will right and now you're going you mentioned i mean there's not a lot to play for you you're set up in the three seed you're not moving can't go up can't go down so you're locked in there but here you are right. with five games to go in the regular season, and four of the five are against Seattle, a team who's won, what, 15 games in a row and looks unbeatable right now. Um, do, do you think uh, Vancouver obviously mixed in there in a home game uh, coming up next week, but is that, you think, the message from Mike of, hey, this is a great showcase, a great opportunity where we're taking on the best team in the league. Let's build a little confidence and treat this like a little mini four-game series. Easily, easily so. Uh, I mean, the fact that you're taking on, you know, playoff teams in Seattle and Vancouver down the stretch is only going to, you know, add to that comment. But that's 100% what's going to be the case. And, and I don't mean this as a disrespect for Spokane, but based on where their play is right now, it's much different if you play a, a Seattle Thunderbirds team four times in the last five than if you were to play a Spokane Chiefs team. Because there's just a different intensity, there's a different aura around the game. And the players are going to kind of rise to that occasion on both sides, on Portland's side and on Seattle's side. This isn't going to be a walk in the park for Seattle. It's not going to be a walk in the park for Portland. Uh, so they obviously want to come in battle-tested. Now, 
I'll knock on as much wood as I could find. But no, this is also a situation where Seattle knows they're going to be that, you know, one of the top two seeds. I think they might have already been mathematically clinched that number one seed. Uh, maybe, maybe they're, you know, it, it's almost a formality at this point. Um, but it's one of those where you want to play hard, but you don't want anything to happen in terms of the personnel. Because I know Seattle's just going to be getting some of their players back that they've been missing for the last couple of weeks. Portland's had some banged up bodies. They're probably going to reinsert themselves back in the lineup here as well in the next day or two. Um, so it's one of those, like, please just have everything go, everything go healthy. It's, I know it's a Portland-Seattle <laughs> right. rivalry, but let's just get through this because ultimately, you know, these two teams may not face each other until the championship round in the Western Conference, um, you know, assuming those two teams can both get there. So uh, it's, it's a great kind of playoff tester, and I think it's going to bode really well for these two teams to say, hey, we're going to be playing our best hockey towards the end of the season. Like, they want to make sure they're, they're performing at a high level. And I, I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not nervous about any of the matchups yet for the Hawks coming down the stretch. I feel like they played some really good games against Seattle. And, of course, no denying, I'm looking at Seattle. They're, they're the juggernauts right now in the Western Conference. You just mentioned they're a team that just does not lose. They, they don't lose. Same, same with Kamloops. Like, those two teams are hot at the right time. So they're trending in the right direction. And Portland's played well this season with them. So, you know, they don't need to win all four games. You just don't. That's not part of this, um, you know, final five-game stretch for the Hawks. But if you get a win, you can file that in the two. You can build some confidence. Then you're feeling a little better about yourself going into the postseason. Yeah, and you mentioned the standings there for Seattle. So it basically is a formality. They got, what, five games to go. Cam Loops has six games to go. And they're nine points up. So you basically have to lose out. Cam Loops has to win out in order for anything to flip there. So uh, very much could be settled by the time that game uh, – you know, rolls around, you know, either the first one, second one, or third one. By the time you play them, everybody's going to know where you're at and probably who, who, your, who your matchup is. Uh, you, you mentioned the way that they played against Seattle, and it does feel like they've kind of built a little bit of a confidence. And I, I know they were both losses, but as you and I talked about on the last pod, Nick, they, they, they played well. I thought they played one of their best games. They just couldn't catch a break. They couldn't score. On the scoring note, what have you seen from the offense, and how have things opened up? Is it is it as simple as, hey, we're just fine in the back of the net because we're catching bounces? Is there changing and you know changing of the looks what's kind of flipped around offensively for them I think it's been a little bit I think the team's kind of gelled together a little bit more the, the looks have been slightly different but the overall system still still kind of remain the same mm-hmm. so you know, obviously in, in terms of uh, those that maybe are unaware with the X's nose like Mike Kyle and Brian on the coaching side they still kind of run the same breakouts from working the puck from the defensive zone to the offensive zone they don't want to change you don't need to change everything you just want to like kind of fine-tune it so they're kind of you know just taking that last screw and go, oh, I can do another quarter turn there with the screwdriver. Like that's kind of what they're working on there to make sure it's really tight, ready to go. Um, so I think the different line combinations through these injury um, issues, it, well, not really issues, but, you know, just the injuries, um, injuries that have happened in the locker yeah. room, the team has been able to work through them. Um, and you're, you're seeing different line combos because of it. And that's kind of allowing a little bit of extra balance in the team of knowing, okay, this has been kind of the staple line that's been together, but now this person goes down, so then player Y slides in, and this team gets a different look here. And, and you know, there's different groupings. Um, so I think that's kind of been boding well for the Hawks down the stretch, the fact that they've dealt with all those different things. So there's a lot of chemistry on the ice, um, which then, you know, creates some more confident play. And then goals are going to find their way through because once, once you get one or two, we talked about this on the last podcast, you're going to start finding some more. Like this isn't a long-term drought where there's no skilled players <laughs> that are going to find the back of that. It's almost it's a frustrating spell, but it was a spell where it's like, okay, once it happens, we've got to take it as a grain of salt. It's going to happen, and then it's, it's going to slowly build its way back. And we're kind of at that. It's slowly building its way back. Team scored, you know, three goals or more in multiple games now. They put up six against Spokane, and they only needed two periods to do it, too. Then it became a little bit of a different hockey game in that third period, but um, we could touch on that if we need to. And, and honestly, I think one of the best lines for Portland has been, you know, the line of Josh DeCresti and Luke Shelter and, and Diego Buttazzoni. It's players who are in their second seasons with the Hawks. So that's always when you like to see when, when players can progress and make that next step. And they've just been so consistent. Like, they, they found a really good chemistry together. They found good pairing ever since the coaching staff put them there. And that's kind of the line. We were always talking about Portland's depth earlier in the season. You needed a line like that that, you know, you don't need that 30-goal scoring cloth on it. You don't need to put a puck in the back of that every single shift. You just need to be a difference maker. Mm-hmm. That line drawing penalties, getting scoring chances, doing a pretty good job in the defensive zone as well. So kind of doing their part in all different areas. Then all of a sudden you notice, oh, look at that. Like now you're starting to get chances. Maybe they're out there for a shift and you get a power play. Perfect. Now Portland's putting on pressure. Um, so it was just kind of a really good clicking team the last few games. And I, I think you just focus on, on trying to keep that momentum into Seattle. 
because obviously it's a little bit of a different opponent with, with Seattle. And you look at the last time the team was at the Show War Center. It was a terrific hockey game. Portland played really well for a lot of parts of that game. It just didn't go their well in the final, you know, it didn't go their way in the final period. But again, if a team's going to stick around with Seattle like that for, you know, two periods of play, like you're going to feel confident you can win a game. So uh, we'll see what happens in terms of personnel. I'm not really too tuned in actually on, at this point of, of uh, who's back in the lineup yet for Seattle, but I, I think they had three forwards out the last time the Winterhawks were there. So no doubt it's going to change some things if all three of those guys are back. Yeah. Um, so I think essentially they're going to be you know, top top two-line players that are, have been out of the lineup. So it does change their dynamic quite a bit. Um, but it's not this feared team. It's obviously one that you get opportunities with and you just try to – you know, see what your what your playing style does with them. And then, obviously, if you were to meet the playoffs, then at least you're going to have these four games to reflect upon. They're pretty recent in your memory, so you'll, you'll know how to attack it. Yeah, you can build a little bit of confidence. I love the, the comment a couple moments ago, too, because last year was almost the exact the opposite, right? I mean, they got off to such a, such a slow start last year, and then they were on fire the rest of the season and didn't really miss <laughs> exactly. a beat. And then this year, it's the first, you know, what, 85% of the season, it feels like they can't lose. And then you get to the last couple of weeks, and it's like, well, they're kind of limited to the finish line. It's just almost the, you know, the mere opposite of, of each other, and it's a good perspective to have. Let, let's touch on a couple of fun stories here from the last week, uh, and I'll throw both of them at you. The, the recalling of, of Kyle McDonough coming up, getting the solo skate. Always love seeing that when they're up in Spokane a couple of games ago. So just, you know, what it was like seeing him in the lineup and with that kind of moment for him. And then for Merrick Alsher, man, I don't, you know, we, we, we talk so much about this team and we get wrapped up so much in these guys and how they're doing. Are they winning? Are they losing? What are the standings? And then you see a story like Merrick Alsher signing his entry-level contract, and you're kind of reminded, that's right, that's the ultimate goal to get these guys uh, to the next level. So wanted to throw those two at you and get your thoughts on it. No, it's, it's actually a good good window, too, as well, because I'm, I'm sure Kyle McDonough's coming in in different positions, of course. McDonough's a forward, Alsher's a defenseman, but they're here for the same goal. They, they want to chase that, that professional dream. They want to move on to the NHL and, and find their next step in hockey after the junior venture. And and for McDonough, obviously, draft pick last summer. So you look back at the year that was for him. Drafted by Portland. Just a few months after that, comes to the you know the Rose City, his first time here with the Winterhawks organization. Gets to take the ice for the Neely Cup training camp. Thank goodness. It's kind of the first full camp there after COVID. Right. Everything went perfectly for you know from, from that perspective of it. Loved his time here. Really impressed the scouts. No surprise to see he already left with the Winterhawks contract in hand. Signed that pretty quick. So now, you know, he's only a 15-year-old or in his 15-year-old season. He's kind of like 16 years of age now, but hockey's weird. You always talk about birth years. So <laughs> he, he can't play He can't play in the league this season, but he ended up going to play as an under-18 club back at home, knowing that next year will be his first time he'll be fully eligible to play a full season if that's going to be best for his development. Um, so the fact that you already get, you know, him signed, then you get a, a Ryan Miller signed who we saw – uh, very similar story, obviously drafted in that same year in 2022, this past summer, had his first camp, got his first uh, official WHL game in as well earlier when he was called up. So it's one of those situations where, where for McDonough, his season unfortunately ended at the under-18 level. He was with the Okotoks Oilers there in Alberta, um, ended up losing in the quarterfinals. So now that his playoffs wrapped up, he was kind of made available. So gets to immediately insert himself back into the lineup. And not only did he have his league playoffs, but he also played for his province. He played for Team Alberta <laughs> at the um, at the Canada Winter Games that we talked about in the yep. previous podcast as well. So he got to go away there. He played for Alberta, had a really good showing with them, uh, was one of their top six forwards, and, and really just kind of took his game off to another level uh, since the team last saw him basically in the preseason. Like, it was him and Ryan Miller who – Oddly enough, are, are both uh, you know natives of Alberta too, so they played on that same Canada Winter roster. Um, but the, you know, after that preseason in early September, they you know the Winterhawks obviously kind of let them go. They let them go back to their teams, um, back up in Canada to kind of get a full season of work. And now it's great because you get to see their growth kind of firsthand from where they were back then, and they and they impress the team to where they are now. And they're playing meaningful minutes. He played meaningful minutes in his first two road games, then gets. You know, hasn't made his home debut yet, but I'm sure it might be coming before um, he goes back to Alberta. And then mm. I'm sure there's going to be a big potential comeback for playoffs. And just kind of getting those players incorporated into the systems early is very special. Like they get to see what it's like kind of on the road. They get to see what the system is like for a home game because now it comes down to the numbers game. And obviously you're going to have a player like Robbie Fondelor moving on from the forward perspective. So then it's like, okay, well, is Kyle McDonough the guy who comes in right away and slides into that role? 
or does he want, you know, they would need to wait an extra year for him to develop. So it's good just to get him in the system. Love seeing that. I'm with you too, pal. I, I love seeing those first solo laps. And it's just kind of that moment of realization. Like this is, you know, kind of a journey I've been on since I was just a young kid. And now to see it think, okay, like now I'm actually like, you know, taking that next step in my career. And this is where I'm, I'm going to Portland for a purpose. Um, so you get that like fire in your belly and he's such a great kid too. Like yeah. everything about him is fantastic. So I'm excited for the fans, the season ticket holders to get a chance to meet him down the road a little bit more. And obviously in a bigger capacity, uh, once he's here full time. And then Ulster is like exactly what those players are going for. Just couldn't be more proud of him and happy for him. Uh, just seeing how much he really put in the work and, and, and his story of, of coming here. And he was, you know, he started off in Finland and he wanted to go into hockey and, and, you know, being from Czech Republic, they said, well, you, you got to go to Finland or you got to go to these other you know countries to be able to kind of progress your career and get the best training, the best equipment, the best team, the best exposure, blah, 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 you know, whatever goes in with hockey. And, then it, you know, his path comes to Portland and, and he's excited. He wants to play here. Winterhawks were kind of, they knew he'd be a good player, but you always have expectations. You don't know how long it's going to take a European player to be able to adjust. And the language barrier that came right. on so quick where he, he just figured it out. He got such a good connection in the locker room. And I think we've teased about this plenty and mentioned it, but, you know, him and Luca Cagnoni and Josh Morey, like those guys are the three musketeers. Like they, they, they seem inseparable <laughs> at times. So it's, it's good. And it's good for that. Cause then when they come in from a country he's not used to, he instantly creates a bond in the locker room. That's going to, you know, immediately help you in, in that transitional period. Then he would lights out his rookie season, really hit a groove. Don Hay worked with him a lot. Mike Johnson worked with him a lot. Uh, this season now, Brian Pellin's working with him a lot. Mike's working with him a lot. Um, Kyle's working with him a ton in video. So, like, everyone's kind of trying to help. They're all trying to help these players. They want them to go on to the next level. They want to take those steps like the Johnny Ludwigs and the Nick Chicheks did from defensive side and the Seth Jarvises and the Cody Glasses and the Tyson Kozaks. Um, so just to be able to see that kind of come to fruition and just see the natural raw smile on their face after, like, this, ah, like, like I just did that. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I came out here, wanted to come to Portland, set out to be a pro. I got drafted. I signed my contract and it's obviously the easiest route to talk about. Hopefully there's some more good news coming down the road with some of these players as we're, you know, we're anxious to see them be able to take off in their professional career, but just a, you know, a metaphoric round of applause there for, for Mark Alsher. And I couldn't be happy for him. And, and he's got some unfinished business. I know he wants to go on a good run with his team and he's only in his 18 year old season. So he still has two more years of eligibility to play with Portland. So there's a good chance, obviously, he'll be coming back. So even though he signed a contract, does not mean he's out the door right away. So keep that in mind, too. Um, so it's a good moment that, that we can, you know, kind of celebrate, enjoy, and then hopefully get Ulster back for another season, kind of like Reed Schaefer up in uh, in Seattle. He signed with the Edmonton Oilers, but just because he signed didn't mean he went there right away. He's still playing. Uh, you know, pretty big minutes there with Seattle as a nice example. So uh, we're cheering for him, too. And it's such good timing to see this type of news come through and before the playoffs because then it's just right. pressure off the kid. Like, there's less pressure now, Mark, being like, I only have five more games left in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know if best of seven series is this the end. You get kind of like those butterflies. Like, is this the end of run for me in this year proving I deserve a contract? Now you can go in with a cooler head. That's such a good point. Just getting that done, getting that signed, knowing that that kind of security is there waiting for you. It's just, it's got to be a breath of fresh air. I love mentioning the smile of these guys when they sign their contracts and thinking about them as, you know, little four or five-year-old kids thinking about dreaming about playing hockey and then having that dream realized. It's, it's what it's all about. That's why we love following uh, this level. And, and the, we know the playoffs are right around the corner, so I'm only going to throw we'll, – we'll get to it more on the next episode because I'm assuming we'll kind of sure. have that playoff preview where we'll, we'll dive into whatever the matchup is. But technically, I believe four teams in the mix maybe for the first round. No, it seems more than likely the matchup will be Tri-City or Everett. Uh, obviously, opponents of Portland knows well and plays a lot. Just uh, kind of the surface level – if it is Tri-City, if it is Everett, how do you feel? Uh, and you could even mix in, I guess, a little Prince George in, in Vancouver if they're in there if you want. But Tri-City, Everett specifically, how do you think Portland feels about those matchups? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, I feel like the odds the odds on favorite are clearly going to be either Tri-City or Everett in the first round. And they both kind of have different um, approaches to their team, which makes it very unique. Like Tri-City, first and foremost, a little bit more veteran. Um, heavy in terms of their lineup. So they're kind of more ready to win in a now mode. Um, just they have, you know, they have a couple of, they, they fold their uh, 20-year-old spots. They have eight 19-year-olds. So obviously when you always talk about you only carry three 20-year-olds max on a team, 
a lot of those players aren't going to be able to come back to Tri-City next season, so there's going to have to be some moves in the summertime. They have, you know, arguably one of the best goalies in the Western Conference in Tomas Zahanek. Um, so he could be a game changer in terms of winning an overall series. Winterhawks kind of saw that a little bit on the road this past weekend. Um, you know, when they, when they faced him, they took 49 shots, I think it ended up being, uh, only allowed two goals. Like, that's incredible. And, like, that wasn't just, now I'm going to cross the blind and shoot a puck. It was, like, good shots on goal. Um, you know, so he made some big saves there. So you get a hot goalie, you get some veteran leadership. You can really do some damage. They have a couple of nice young pieces as well. Uh, kind of a Jordan Gavin, uh, who's not even draft eligible in the NHL until 2025. <laughs> I can't even believe we have to think that far out. Um, so that's wild. Uh, and then uh, their their defenseman, uh, Lucas Dragosivic, he's kind of right up there with Luca Cagnoni in terms of that NHL draft. Um, prospect for this season so obviously they, they, they kind of got the good pieces around those two players um, more veterans around those two young players too to have a nice core so obviously they're, they're doing some great things with Stu Barnes this year and then totally different season for Dennis Williams he's been kind of a top of the U.S. division the past couple of seasons but those guys have since graduated so he's got a few veterans um, Jackson Berezowski being the most notable one he's already over 40 goals in his season he's trying to take over the silver tip scoring record this year um, but, you know, they obviously made that big deadline move that moved away Ryan Hofer and it moved away Olin Selwager. And it wasn't an easy decision to make because if you have those two p- players back who are both NHL drafted already, um, you know, and, and both likely to probably start their pro careers next season, it's one of those where, well, was this year going to win it now? Or do you get uh, five first-round picks or whatever it was in that right. package deal with Kamloops? So. Right. It's a little bit of a, they had to trade away some pieces, but when you open up spots like that, it allows some of the younger guys to step into the void. So we haven't really fully seen the Everett Silver tips of, of what they're like. To be fair, we did see them twice. One game was a complete whomping where, you know, I think it's a little bit of a fluke from that 10-3 final. Like those scores happen, but I don't think it happens often. And then Portland responded with a nice defensive game, good structure. They won pretty easily at home ice two days later. Um, but the Hawks have only seen kind of two games against Everett. So there's a little bit up in the air about what you're going to expect from them. They have a couple of good scoring lines. Their depth now is a little bit, you know, less so with that trade. Um, but they're, they're feisty and they're, you know, it's one of those teams that they get to the playoffs. You never know what happens. Historically, they've been really good. Dennis Williams has coached them well. So, uh, two good opponents and two different angles where one team is kind of veteran ready and they've battled hard with Portland. The other team's a little bit more of a, well, have the Hawks fully seen this team together and, Kind of like Seattle last year, there's some players like Dominic Raymond who are out injured. So, like, he hasn't been in the lineup, but I think he's been playing, like, that kind of second-line minute role. Um, so it's a little bit hard to know what to expect. But um, I think both of them are going to be good tests. From my perspective, I'll say first and foremost, I wouldn't mind not taking that trip to Prince George. Um, <laughs> you know, a little less bus time at either of those trips. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that becomes an unwritten thing, honestly. Like, in terms of a player – you know, matchup perspective too. God, Prince George is a hard team to play this year. Like that's, yeah. that's not the same team as last season where the winter house swept. Like that's a team that easily could win a couple of rounds in the postseason. So um, just from a personnel side, you're, you're probably uh, pleased if you could avoid that. I think there's a really good likely chance that Prince George does end up in that four seed, if not the five seed, which means the winter house will avoid them. Um, but just having some divisional matchups, in that first round are going to be good. I think it's just good for the overall league um, to kind of be able to build those rivalries once again. If somebody different the Winterhawks haven't faced in the first round of the playoffs in quite some time, I feel like it's either been Prince George or Spokane, uh, you know, as far as I can remember since I've been here. But then even before that, like you probably go back to that uh, second round uh, matchup with Tri-City back in 17, 18 mm-hmm. season. Probably the last time you had somebody who was different than, you know, what we've had in recent playoffs. So I think it'll be kind of very well welcomed if, if that's the case. And uh, I, I think the biggest thing now, too, is I'm kind of excited. Like, we talked about momentum and getting momentum here in the final couple of games. I'm just excited for the playoffs. I'm excited for these players to get there and get to the postseason uh, and just kind of get that intensity level back up. Because not like we're treading water now, but it kind of feels like, okay, like this is that push of the season. Like, teams already clinched. Like, let's go. Like, right. eyes are set on March 31st. So it's hard to – you know, look at these next couple of games and, and think, oh, there's still meaningful games to go because there is, but it's also like playoffs. I want to go to the playoffs. <laughs> and honestly, we're probably going to segue here. I'll help you. Uh, maybe one of the biggest games to help us kind of ease that mind is this Saturday and the fact that we have that big Hall of Fame game. 
Well, I, I, I love the point, too, because, uh, you know, I know some of the guys in the locker room have mentioned, like, it can be tough. Like, you know you're locked in. You know there's nothing really as a team to play for. And you're still playing for your individual, like, hey, there's a draft scout in the building that night. Like, I want to put on a good performance. But it's just not quite the same, right? And then I think to the point, too, where, like, we've talked about all season, Nick, and, and, and you know this, like, these guys are still pissed with the way last season ended. Like, they've been playing all right. year to try and get that taste out of their mouth and get another crack with a 3-1 series lead in the second round and letting it slip. So I think they've been building for this, and, and I'm with you. I, I think the fans are with you. We're all excited. But as you point out, on Saturday night, it is going to be awesome. Randy Heath coming up here in a moment on the podcast. But just first off, this is why you listen to the podcast, because Nick gives us little tidbits about, hey, maybe keep an eye on a specialty jersey. There could be something coming there. Well, the team announces this week the Buckaroo jerseys, which you're going to have a chance to get here uh, shortly in the final week of the regular season. But just, I mean, I mean, walk me behind what, because I, I can't even imagine what your role is like and what your week has been like and what you're coordinating. I heard there's some, some crazy number of not only the former players that are back in town, but their family, their friends, all the ticket requests that these guys are having. Cam Neely's numbers going up into the rafters. It's going to be probably a sold-out crowd at the Coliseum. Just where, where's the excitement level and how crazy is Saturday night going to be? Oh, our staff is beyond excited that we're having this night. It's going to be an unbelievable game. Portland, Seattle on a Saturday night. You throw in the elements of all these pregame ceremonies that we're about to talk through. You get to organize all the players. And you're right, Andy. Obviously, it's, it, you know, it's a ton of work for the staff, but it's one that, again, like we are thrilled to be able to have the chance yeah. to do this and honor these players and this entire team, really, from 83 that brought Portland its first Memorial Cup. Like that's, that's the dream. Like How many times have you and I talked to players when – you know, maybe they get drafted and stuff. And you know, I'm sure if I ask also the same thing right now, like, okay, what's the goal of the rest of the season? I want to win a Memorial Cup. Like, that is instantly the first thing in their mind. So that's what this team did. And you get to recognize them and honor them and induct four of those players into the Hall of Fame, which is going to be such a special night. Um, throw in then the extra mix of that Buckaroo-themed jersey, which I'll, I'll touch on that here in a second again as well. I'll just put a pin on it. Um, but, just, you know, it's just terrific to see those players and the families get to come back. And some of them haven't been back here maybe in yeah. you know, almost close to the 40 years that it's been since they won the championship. So it's a cool moment for them. We'll get to reminisce on a lot of stories, I'm sure. Um, we'll actually uh, plan on trying to bring Cam Neely into the broadcast for those tuning in on the CW. So uh, we'll be able to hear from him. Just waiting to kind of put the extra final touches there for Andy and I to be able to get him on the broadcast. But it's looking like that's going to be a, a very strong possibility. And then uh, obviously you're going to be able to induct them into the Hall of Fame. We'll see that number 21 go into the Raptors for Cam Neely. So a lot of you know a lot of special feelings there, and it's it's hard. Like I, I won't be able to fill this void where. I'm sure our, our podcast listeners can jump right in and say all these stories. Like, this is where I don't, you know, I don't have the full knowledge. I didn't get to see them. I heard things. I heard stories from Scooter, mm-hmm. um, especially, too, and he'll be there as well. Scooter will be our master of ceremony, so fans can talk with him, I'm sure, plenty. Um, but it's just going to be such a, a special night for this organization to see how much success it has. You kind of point back to those beginning teams, and this is one of those teams that really started the trend um, of the Winterhawks being a staple in the WHL. And then on top of that, you think about the roots in this Oregon hockey history night. They kind of blended these two together. It's perfect. You get to honor the history of that 40-year anniversary of the team's first Memorial Cup championship. But then you also get to look back of why the Winterhawks are here. And the Portland Buckaroos are a big reason why hockey is so big here in the Portland area. So it was a jersey um, that was inspired actually from a like 1930s design of the Portland Buckaroos when they were originally here after the uh, Portland Rosebud days. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a different look. It's not like the modernized, like front and center logo. They actually have a little bit of a size logo onto it. Um, it's probably part of it too, is to allow for some numbering um, just to be shown on, on both sides back then. So it's a very cool jersey. I know a lot of the fans were giving it a lot of love. They, they love kind of dipping into the, um, you know, the archives, if you will, to be able to piecemeal this together and, and take elements from that 1930s team from the more recent 1960s and 70s Buckaroos team and kind of marry them into one where you take some old school and some new school uh, to create our own spinoff on it. So I'm very excited for that. And then teams can actually win those jerseys too, um, which you can get at the next home game. So if you're here on Saturday, you can purchase tickets to the Winterhawks Amateur Hockey Association table, Waha, at the Waha table. Go say hey to Stan. Uh, get a $10 raffle ticket, or you like the jerseys a lot, you want to guarantee you have it, there's a couple golden tickets available that you could purchase. So uh, very cool that you get this Hall of Fame night. You get to respect the Buckaroos, the 98, you know, 1983 Memorial team. Sorry, I'm thinking about 98 too, the next championship. I was 83 teams back in town. <laughs> it's all good memories, man. All the memories are flowing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it, dude. I the, the jerseys are so badass, man. They are they are so stinking cool. They did a great job with that. Is there anything that fires a fan base uh, fan base up more than than the throwback jerseys? I just I feel like no matter what sport, no matter what team, like anytime 100%. you get it in college in the in the NBA with the Blazers, NFL, like everybody's always clamoring for the throwbacks and to wear them uh, on on such a special night. Uh, it's just, it's really cool. Quickly for those who don't know and follow, obviously every, I think everybody in Portland knows the name Cam Neely, and we reference him every seven. September. The Neely Cup's like one of those weird, exciting, and depressing moments for me because it's exciting <laughs> that hockey's back. I'm like, yes, this is sweet hockey's back, but then it also reminds me that like summer's kind of done, and I'm like, oh, well, summer's over, right. and all right, now I got to go into the old, you know, the Portland winter. So it's like a, it's a mixed emotion whenever the Neely <laughs> Cup rolls around. So we all know Cam Neely. Who are the other, you know, and we're going to talk to one of them here in a moment, but who are the other four guys that are getting inducted into the Hall of Fame on, uh, on Saturday night? Yep, Cam Neely, Randy Heath, Kenya Remchuk and Grant Sasser are going to be the four inductees in the 2023 Winter Hawks Hall of Fame class. Uh, I think they're going to believe, be the 8th, ninth, 10th, and 11th inductees in Hawks history wow. into the Hall of Fame. So um, obviously it kind of speaks volumes there when you get four of them uh, from the same team. Again, all teammates for that one season. Uh, three of them were teammates for three seasons. And then Cam Neely was was a part of uh, uh, him him and Yaremchuk and, and Heath and Alfie Turcotte. Uh, some of the teammates there, they were actually part of those uh, players who were called up to the NHL together during that 84 season. So uh, they didn't actually get to finish the complete year in Portland. They were called up because they were so good <laughs> as Winterhawks. They needed to play in the National Hockey League. So pretty crazy to see that. Uh, but they just had some unbelievable stats go on on and on for, for all these players. And, and you're going to hear them during the pregame ceremonies too. But, you know, 50 goal scorers, 100 plus points in a season. Went on to pro careers, many of them long, uh, you know, top five, top three leading scores for their, you know, different stat. Like they, these guys were generational players. Like they come in and they were unbelievable. And I even, I, I actually got the chance to uh, read a Paul Danza article too. He did it with uh, Cam Neely, a little pre, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a preview of this upcoming game. And, and Cam was saying he's, a, you know, he was being pretty humble about it, but I know where he's coming from. And he's like, I was a 16 year old. I had, that's like, your M Chuck and Heath on my line. He was like, are you kidding me? Like it was so easy to be able to produce with those two. Like they basically just grabbed me by my scruff of my neck as a young buck and said, here we go. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to have some good time together. Um, so it, it's really cool. They're going to be able to kind of reminisce on those moments and, and just have a good game together. And one of those were, you know, honor them. Then they're here with all their friends and family and teammates and they'll get to mingle and, and then they'll keep a the little party going. I'm sure afterwards. And they're actually going to get up here on Friday um, so they'll get a chance to kind of have a nice night together, watch the Winterhawks and, and T-Birds game on Friday night, which is going to be a road game in Seattle, but they'll be together for that too. So it's just very cool. It gets a nice overall weekend that they'll get to enjoy together as one, which maybe honestly for a group of about 15 of them coming back, I believe from that team, maybe the first time they've all been together in a room since wow. they were playing here in Portland. So that's pretty crazy to think about as well. That's so cool for those guys. And, and I think it's really cool, too, I think, for the current players to kind of see the, the connection that this city has with its past players. And there's so Without many question. legends that have come through and just realizing, like, hey, if, if, if you do something special in Portland, man, you're going to be remembered for a long time. I remember talking last year on the pod uh, with Kyle Gustafson, obviously back as, a, as an assistant coach, just asking, like, yep. you know, growing up in Portland, like, how, do you, how did you fall in love with hockey? Like, how does this happen? And it was, it, it was easy. Cam Neely, you know, growing up watching Cam Neely, that's what did it. My right. producer on my radio show was a, was a lifelong Bruins fan. I'm like, why are you a Bruins fan? Why does that even make sense? Because this is all before my time. Well, Cam Neely, that's why. So it just kind of speaks to the power that those guys had, and it's going to be such a fun uh, weekend. And I, I am, I, you know, sometimes when you get kicked out of a booth, you don't feel great about it if you're kicking me out of a booth on saturday for cam neely that's like an honor man i'm putting that like in my twitter bio nobody wants to hear from me they want to hear from cam neely damn it he's going 100%. up into the rafters so it's going to be a lot of fun my man i can't wait to get I, I share the same sentiment the, the, the tv game on saturday i can't wait to work with you again buddy it's always a joy it's always a blast and hey let's finish the regular season strong get some wins here against seattle and then we'll find out who we're playing and we'll kind of get set and figure out who that matchup's going to be I agree. I'm going to send two notes here for you to, to close up my part of it. Shout out to the fans. Thank you for letting us talk here. Also, big shout out there to Andy. You were, you were, I don't know what I did to make you happy, bud, but the fact you put me before Randy Heath, they had to listen to you jamble on for 25 minutes. They, they wouldn't even listen to this. You went right to Heath. I'm excited to hear from Heath, too. I can't wait to hear that interview coming up. Uh, but ultimately, too, for the Hawks, like the stories that you just brought up, that is the reason why Cam Neely is getting 
indoctrinated forever in the BMC, his jersey and the Raptors, because of how much he impacted the sport. Like, not only Portland, but, you know, he's one of those players that there are so many greats, but kind of that line of, you know, you have a terrific career in Portland, and you did something with the Winterhawks that was so memorable, winning a cup, checkmark there, like that enough would have done it. And then the fact that you go on have a terrific NHL career as a player and as an executive, you give back to the sport, you're in the Boston community, you're coming back to your Portland community, like, it's crazy how much he's done for this game of hockey and, you know, just kind of neighbors and friends and coworkers and all them knowing about that. Like that's what makes it so special. And that's why he's going to be the very first to ever have his jersey retired here by the Winterhawks. And I don't think this will be the last time there'll be another Hall of Fame induction, by the way. Sure. I think the Hall of Fame induction wants to be more of a regular thing. Now the jersey retirement, I don't know if anybody's going to pass Neely here for a little bit. <laughs> he might be one of the first and only we're going to have for a little bit of time. But, uh, you know, I think this Hall of Fame ceremony and being able to reminisce and, and see some history is going to go on. Hopefully it'll be a tradition here in Portland for, you know, kind of a season-by-season basis. There's not many guys in the history of this organization that come close to that bar, right? I mean, of just of the, the level of play, the success, not only individually but as a team and then following it up with a, a legendary career as you know as you mentioned as a player uh, as an executive he is uh, you know one of the greatest to ever do it if not the greatest to ever do it here in a Winterhawks jersey and I, it's going to be so fun man I can't wait well hey always a joy buddy look forward to seeing you and working together again on Saturday and let's get a couple of wins here in the last two weeks yeah, I can't wait, pal. Really excited for this stretch run. Go Hawks. Let's enjoy the playoffs. Let's have a great night on Saturday. Joining us now is one of those guys that's going into the Winterhawks Hall of Fame, Randy Heath, who was a part of that 1983 Memorial Cup championship team, a second-round pick way back when by the New York Rangers. And uh, he joins us now as in Portland, starting in 1980 all the way until 1984. Randy, first off, good morning, man. How are you? And thanks so much for jumping on the podcast. Hey, thanks a lot. It's a pleasure. Let's get to the memories of 1983. That's kind of where I want to start. We'll get to all the other, you know, accolades and and uh, you know the, the teammates and the stories and all that. But when when I bring up 1983 for Randy Heath, what are the first things that start popping into your mind? Oh man, um, honestly, uh, as a hockey player and a young guy, I, I feel like uh, that one that championship game or whatever. Uh, it was almost like a, it was like that miracle on ice to me. It mm-hmm. was the place was packed, uh, flags were fl- flying, and it was almost like the hockey game was secondary. To be honest, it was the environment was unbelievable in the old Memorial Coliseum, and uh, yeah, no, it's just a blur. To be honest, uh, I've always felt like that uh, because it, you know it's a lot to to take in as a young person. Um, the place was packed. It was cool. I'd imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things I love bringing up on the podcast whenever I get the chance to talk to the the current players. It's just, I, I think it's easy for fans to watch and forget how young these kids are. And that, you know, you're talking about high school age kids that have moved away from home and they're staying with billets and all that. I mean, as that part of your life was starting, what, what drew you to Portland and how did that all go about when you made your way to the Rose City? Well, you know what? I, I was about 13 years old uh, when I got a letter in the mail uh, from the Portland Winterhawks. I wasn't even sure who the Portland Winterhawks were. Of course, here in Vancouver, it's New Westminster Bruins. I didn't go to a lot of games, uh, but they were inviting me to a training camp uh, in Alberta, and that was my first exposure to the Winterhawks. And, and from that point on, at age 15, uh, I played my first game with the Portland Winterhawks, and uh, I remember scoring against Grant Fuhr in, in Victoria, and, uh, you know, that's kind of how it started. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it just went on from there, and, and it is a young age. Like, it's so young. You you are pulled away from your families. At the time, we didn't even go to school. That's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. It was all hockey, and we kind of had to get the schooling done on our own, which was very difficult. And uh, But it was a very impressionable time because we were pulled away from, you know, high schools and friends back home. And for me, uh, that, that, that my time in Portland it was high school. It was my time with... Uh, players uh you know going through the same things maturing mm-hmm. uh, with challenges of teenage life and everything else right <laughs> yeah being a teenager is hard enough to begin with let alone if you're that many miles away from home and not only you know trying to make a career in hockey on, on top of it i want to make sure i got these numbers right because they are they are eye-popping for you in 1982 1983 72 games 82 goals 69 assists 151 points i just i mean insane numbers what clicked for you what clicked for the team that year and when did you guys know that you know, hey, we, we we might have a shot at this whole thing. Well, you know, I'd have to say it almost started the year before, really, and mm-hmm. then that '83 team was that much better. But in '82, we went to the Memorial Cup, and and my line mate, I, I you know, 
I had Kenny Remchuk as a centerman, and, yeah. and eventually it was Cam Neely and myself. And we felt like uh, we could score whenever we wanted, and we could turn a game whenever we wanted. In my whole hockey career, I've never played with two other gentlemen that, uh, that where it felt like that. And it was really, for me, it, it felt magical. And yeah. uh but, uh, yeah, no, it's just a cool experience. Yeah, I, I imagine that. So, I mean, getting an indu- inducted into the Winterhawks Hall of Fame, uh, it's it's something that, you know, fans who have been following the team for a long time, doesn't happen that often, right? You get these kind of specialty nights. And I know we were just talking before we started recording here that you're hopeful to be able to make it this weekend, but some things up in the air. But when they call you and, and give you the announcement that, hey, you're going into the hockey or the Winterhawks Hall of Fame, what, what's the reaction and what does that mean to you? Oh, you know, it's hard to believe how I, I was surprised how I felt after so long, after 40 years. Um, but it feels like uh, just a couple of years have gone by. Mm-hmm. I'm super honored, uh, very proud to have been a part of the Portland Winterhawks. Uh, always have been. And uh, in all my time in playing pro and, and everything else, uh, it was the time in Portland that meant the most to me and prepared me for even after hockey, you know. Yeah, and on that note, I mean, when you you're go, have you been around Portland very often? I don't know where you reside now, but do, you, do you, have you been back? Have you been any games, or you know, is this is this kind of like a long times away since you've been back to Portland? Well, it was a long time, and then uh, and I was I, I actually started scouting a couple of years with the Portland Winterhawks just here in Vancouver, British Columbia, just like uh, you know, scouting Bantam players and stuff. That kind of brought me back in the fold a bit. Um, and then I did have time. I did come down for a couple of training camps and things like that. And and you know I think I was more caught up in in, in, in just being back uh, mm-hmm. than really the job I had to do. Like it was just amazing uh, to see the rink and and it just felt like things hadn't changed really, although they have changed a lot. Right. The old Memorial Coliseum is uh, it, it's still standing. You, you mentioned there Cam Neely being your line mate there in in eighty three eighty four. He's obviously getting his his number retired uh, this weekend for the Winterhawks' first you know player that has ever had their their number retired in organizational history. What did he mean to you as a teammate, and what was that like being on the ice with him at the same time? Well, he he uh, he was fantastic. I mean, I he was a young kid when he started on my line, and uh, and he just fit in uh, right away. Cam brought it all. He he wasn't just a goal scorer or just a fighter. Like he brought everything. He was good defensively. He was intimidating. He was a smart with the puck. Uh, like the, he was an all-round player, and it was a privilege to play with him. And uh, and also to watch how his career took off. And sadly, it it, it was cut short. Uh, due to injury, but he, he's proven to be the uh, leader with the Boston Bruins, just as if he was he was on the ice. So, <laughs> right. um, no, it, it's pretty cool. I'm very proud to have played with them. We were, you know, we hung out with each other as kids and stuff here in Vancouver a little bit, and when we got drafted and that. So, you know, again, it, I'm just super happy for Cam and well deserved. And 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 the Winterhawks, uh, the, the city of Portland, should be really proud to uh, to see his jersey go up in the air. Yeah, the Neely Cup kicks off every single year, and you guys obviously great memories of, of 1983 and what you guys were able to accomplish. And uh, it's going to be so fun to see you know all the all the faces and, and the jersey going up and the Hall of Fame inductions this weekend. Now you mentioned you know doing some scouting for the Hawks uh, here more recently. The, the game and the league has obviously changed a ton, and there are some legendary stories from the 1980s WHL. Yeah. What what do you, what do you make of, of of how the league has changed and do you have difficulty with that or or are you somebody that embraces that you know things evolve and things change because I, I imagine if I put on a tape from the 1983 Winterhawks it looks drastically different than what we're going to see this weekend in the in the uh, Memorial Coliseum oh yeah the, the game is completely different I mean back in my day I'm only five foot eight so to survive in the type of hockey I played <laughs> in was was pretty challenging and again it was guys like Cam Neely that kept me safe out there and other guys as well but uh, it was a very tough, rugged, um, you know, almost intimidating, goony type of hockey with some really great players in the league. But it was more kind of a pronounced the intimidation part of the game. Whereas now, I mean, these kids are, it's just completely different. They skate so fast, every one of them. They got talent beyond belief with the puck. Um, and it's just a different game. Uh, I'm glad I, I kind of played in the era I did, but it would have been cool to be able to play. Uh, in this era too. Well, I imagine. I mean, that was kind of the follow-up there. I mean, being a five foot eight kind of goal scorer, quick, and all that. Like, it seems like your game would translate not only to the to the modern WHL great, but also to a Mike Johnston style system. When when you watch the modern Winterhawks, and Mike has obviously been around a long time. Uh, I imagine as a former hockey player, it's kind of fun to think, man, I, this would have been a lot of fun to be in an offense like this. Well, it would have, and and it, I think it would have brought out the talents that I had even more. 
just a person like Mike. He, he, you know, my closest coach uh, to Mike, I think I had was a fellow named Herb Brooks in New York uh, with the Rangers. Yeah. Um, he was very ahead of his time. Uh, he was trying to, you know, after the Olympics, after they won the Olympics or whatever, he, he was trying to bring that free-flowing, uh, you know, fast skating type of game and not so restrictive up and down the ice, but being creative. And that's the way I see the hockey now. But back then it wasn't as accepted. Uh, it was still straight up and down, hooking, holding, <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit different, but, you know, hey, sometimes progress is, is, is good for the sport, and it's no doubt yeah. a lot of open ice and a lot of goals being scored. That's probably what fans want. Although, hey, you know, some, some do yearn for the old days of a few more fights here or there. You know, go, going back, you know, lastly to that, that Memorial Cup run that you guys went on, I mean, just how, how brutal was that, that entire – I mean, it's such a long season. You go through the playoffs. You get to the Memorial Cup. I, you know, it's one of those things I'm always in awe of watching, you know, it's pretty often you can see teams kind of flame out in the WHL playoffs just because they're exhausted and you're on the bus for so many hours. It's just a long season. I mean, just take me behind the grind and, and what was, what that was like for, for a kid going through that and getting all the way to, you know, you're playing in the Memorial Cup feels like in the middle of the summer. Well, it is a grind, but you know, when you're young and and you want something so bad and you're with uh, like-minded people on your team, uh, it, it makes it a lot easier, but God, when I look back now, I don't even know how I did it. <laughs> but, you know, the bus trips were harsh. But at the time, again, being young, you were you, you, you had resilience and stuff. Uh, if I had to get on a bus now for 10 hours, I, I wouldn't be very happy. <laughs> now, what, what did you do in 1983 on a 10-hour? Like, kids these days have iPads and phones and all sorts of technology to keep them busy. What did you do on a 10-hour bus ride? Well, in my opinion, they're spoiled now compared to the way we were. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we never had beds. We never had bunks or anything like that. We sat in a chair. And uh, when we were traveling to, say, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, we were laying on the floors across the seats. There was ice in the bus windows. We had uh, toques on and, and, and we're trying to sleep. And then you'd arrive in a town 10 hours later or even longer and uh off the bus, unpack, go to the rink, <laughs> like play, whatever, and then off to the next place. Like, it, it's an amazing uh, program that really does prepare you for, for, for the future if you wanted to keep continuing in, in sports. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, I know so many Winterhawk fans have great memories from 1983 and watching you play and that entire team. And I know you got some stuff you know, up in the air for this weekend, but we're all crossing our fingers here as uh, Winterhawk fans that we're going to see you at the Coliseum this Saturday night as you're getting inducted into the Winterhawks Hall of Fame along with a couple other teammates. So thank you so much for the time for hopping on and uh, congratulations on an incredible honor and, and, and a great career and a great legacy here in Portland. Oh, thank you so much. It means everything. Thanks. All right, that'll do it. Episode 12 here of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. My thanks again to Randy Heath, who was just amazing. So fun to reminisce on some of those stories from his time here in Portland. And I, I love the story about riding around on the bus and how different it was. And uh, don't didn't quite have the benefits of technology as they did uh, as they do now, I should say. I, yeah, it's one of those, like, back in my day, I totally relate to that. It's so easier, so much easier to travel than it used to be back in 1983. But just a legendary player uh, with the organization. You look up some of the numbers that he put up. And uh, as Nick mentioned, you know, even you know, Cam Neely talking about coming in and getting to play on the same line as a guy like Randy Heath. It just it made his life a lot easier. So uh, really enjoyed that conversation. And Nick is great as always. And Hawks fans, it's going to be a fun weekend. I can't wait. The game on Saturday is going to be on Portland CW. Nick and I are going to be on the call. They're booting me out of the box to bring Cam Neely on. At least that's what we're hoping to do. Uh, and, and hey, I, I'm sure everybody's going to cheer. Nobody wants to hear me. They all want to hear Cam Neely. So I can't wait. It's going to be a ton of fun. If you have not got tickets yet, I would recommend doing it soon because they are going to go quickly. And I know it's, it's already up over 7,000, somewhere in that range. So uh, not a lot of seats left for Saturday night's game. And the Hawks are retiring a jersey. For the first time in franchise history, it's going to be really, really special. Make sure you're in your seat early because, uh, according to the information I got, uh, talking to those folks over there, that they're they're doing it, uh, you know, pretty quickly, uh, right at the start of the game there. So it's going to be about a 20 minute ceremony to kick things off on Saturday night. So don't don't be lollygagging, getting an extra beer. Make sure you're in your seat so you can celebrate the 1983 Memorial Cup. Uh, championship team and having Scooter there and, and Scooter being the voice of it, it's going to be a lot of fun to have all those guys back Scooter of course uh, calling those games so Saturday is going to be special and there's only a couple of, couple of games here a couple of couple of games left in the regular season before things are all done and we're heading 
to the postseason. The Winterhawks know their first two games. The dates are March 31st on a Friday and April 1st on a Saturday. Those tickets are uh, already, I believe, available. Go, ch- go check at winterhawks.com. I believe they're up and uh, ready for sale. And we're just waiting to see who Portland's going to play. My, you know, either going to be Tri-City or Everett, outside, outside shot at, at Prince George or Vancouver, uh, but likely Tri-City or Everett, a couple of teams that they've seen here recently in the last week or so. The playoffs are almost here. I can't wait. Five games to go in the regular season. Uh, four of them are against Seattle. What more could you ask for? A fun weekend ahead for the Winterhawks, and the playoffs are right around the corner. A reminder to make sure to download and subscribe to the podcast so you're updated whenever a new episode drops. The next one will likely be a first-round playoff preview. So it'll be after that final game, that final weekend of the regular season, and we'll get you all set, whoever Portland is playing, with a full-on preview. And then we're going to go as long as the team goes. So hopefully it is a long time and a deep playoff run. Thanks, as always, for listening again. My thanks to Randy Heath and Nick Merrick, the voice of the Winterhawks. Great conversations with both those guys. Until next time, go Hawks. If you can. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni. Yes, I do. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.